We are going to continue our study of Acts this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12, that's where we're going to be. Where we left off was Acts chapter 10. And in Acts chapter 10, we saw the Holy Spirit come to the Gentiles for the first time, the non-Jews. It came for the first time. Peter went to Cornelius' house and, and preached the gospel to Cornelius and his family and, and his friends and all those that he had gathered. And, and the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. And this was, as I said last week, at the end of chapter 10, we see this is a big deal. Because at this point, the, Jew, the, the Jews thought that this was a Jewish Messiah. I mean, all of the disciples were Jews. All of the, Jesus was Jewish. And so they, they, they thought this was a Jewish Messiah. And so when it, when it happens that it's not just a Jewish Messiah, that Jesus came to save anyone who would believe in him, then, then it, it was a big deal. And we saw that at the end of chapter 10. And then through chapter 11, we see that there's a group within the church that think, no, the Gentiles don't deserve Jesus. They don't, we're not going to talk to them. We don't, we're going to decide that the Jews hear the gospel, but we're not going to go to the Gentiles. So we start to see really a, a problem begin in the church where there is division about whether the, the Holy Spirit can come on Jews and Gentiles and, and whether the Gentiles should hear the gospel. And so through chapter 11, we see that, that division beginning. And we really see that division all the way through. If you think about it, um, Paul writes, once all of these churches are, are formed and planted in, in, in the Middle East, Paul writes to the church in Galatia and, and talks to them about Judaizers, those who thought that a Gentile had to become a Jew before he could become a Christian. You had to go through the, the, the steps to become a Jew first before you could become a Christian. So obviously this problem continues after Acts. And I mentioned last week that there is also the Jerusalem Council where they get all of the apostles together and they say, okay, um, we're, why are the Gentiles getting the gospel? And, and so Peter and Paul actually uh, defend the idea that, that Jesus came to save anyone who would believe in him, not just the Jew. And so, um, so that's where we pick up in chapter 12. We see Peter being jailed again. Now, if you're keeping score, this is the third time. The first time, they, the Sanhedrin let him go, remember? They had the trial, couldn't really find anything wrong with what he was preaching, so they let him go. The second time, he and, and John were both jailed, and they went to get them out of the jail, and they weren't there anymore. They were over preaching someplace. So a miracle happened. Well, now we're going to see Peter in jail for the third time. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 6. And it is up here behind me. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in the front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke up and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell from his wrists. 
Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. So let's talk about the context of this first. Because in the immediate context here, verses 1 through 6, uh, or 1 through 5, Herod has James, the brother of John, the, one of the sons of Zebedee, he has him beheaded. James is beheaded. Now, <clears throat> this probably came as quite a shock to the, to the church, because the church probably thought that the, the 12 apostles, the original 12 disciples that were now the 12 apostles, they probably thought, well, they're untouchable, right? Because, I mean, they were literally with Jesus in his ministry on earth, and so clearly they'll, they're untouchable. And yet James is beheaded by Herod. So it was a bit of, I'm sure, a shock to the church that this could happen. There was this mystery and awe surrounding the apostles, and, and it was broken by Herod having James beheaded. Now, this actually makes the Jewish crowd happy. They're excited. Yay! Yay, James has been beheaded. Herod's taking charge. They're, they're happy about this. And so riding this wave of popularity, Herod arrests Peter and puts him in prison. And just before we, where we started with, with uh, verse 6, in verse 5 it says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. Fervently, passionately, and consistently, constantly. They were praying, the church was gathered and was praying for Peter. And so we, now we have Peter in prison. Now, it says in the very first part of, of, of this section, it says that Peter is sleeping. Now, uh, uh, there are four squads of soldiers assigned to Peter. Now, this means that there is a soldier on each side of him chained to him. And then there's two more at the prison door. And four squads means that nobody was ever on duty for more than six hours at a time. So they were not tired. They were not worn out. They, they literally were, were only on duty six hours at a time. So Peter is, is there and it says that he is sleeping between these two guards that he's chained to. What does worry and anxiety and uncertainty and fear, what does that do to us? It steals our sleep. It takes our sleep away. Peter knows what just happened to James. He knows that James was just beheaded. He knows that's his fate. He knows that's coming for him. Yet, Peter is sleeping. He's asleep. Peter has a radical trust in God. He has a trust in God that says, uh, you know, whatever the plan is, I'm fine. 
And that radical trust, that trust that Peter has in God, it's built. Trust is always built. And it was built by Peter seeing the work of God in his life up to this day. So he had, he had this trust because he knew what God had done. You know, you and I have that same opportunity. We still let uncertainty and fear and worry and anxiety, we let that steal our sleep. We can look at how God has worked in our life up to today. And we can trust him for tomorrow. And we can rest. That's what Peter does. Peter just simply trusts in God and rests. And so this angel comes to Peter and says, get up, get dressed, we're going. And, and Peter obeys. Now, I want you to just stop and consider for a minute. What happens here if Peter says, no, nah, this is a weird dream. I'm just staying here. Peter's not rescued. That's what happens. Peter isn't rescued. He has to get up. He has to obey. He has to do what the angel tells him to do. God sends this angel to rescue Peter, and Peter has to do what God says through this angel in order to be rescued. If Peter doesn't get up, if Peter doesn't obey, Peter isn't rescued. And then we see all the things that God opens, right? Look at all this stuff that God opens. He opens the chains that are holding Peter to these soldiers. Apparently, the soldiers are still chained to each other. (laughs) But Peter's not in between them anymore. He opens the chains. He opens the prison door. He blinds the enemy to what's going on. Peter Peter and this angel walk right past four guards. Then he he, uh, saunters out, and, and the gates open by themselves, it says. God opens all of these things, and he does it in his time. He doesn't do it because Peter spent all night worrying about it. He he doesn't do it before Peter obeys. He doesn't do it until it's time. This is probably where we argue with God the most. Maybe I, I shouldn't put you in my spot. Where I argue with God the most. Timing. I want stuff on my time, not his. Maybe you have that. Maybe maybe we're kindred there. Maybe not. But he opens everything in his time. When it's needed, it's open. The timing is perfect. And when it's needed, it's open. Can we trust that God will open the doors when we need them open? without us spending a month worrying about it beforehand. Have you ever successfully worried a door open? It don't work. Don't try it if you haven't, because it don't work. Trust God. Trust that he, he will open the right door at the right time. And so then we have Peter after prison. In verse 11, it says, When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. It says when he came to himself. Think about his night. He's he's in jail. He's chained to two guards. He knows he's going to die tomorrow. And then then the cell lights up. He's in this prison cell and there's a light in there. And then somebody's poking him in the side saying, hey, get up, 
Get your sandals on. Get dressed. We're going. We are out of here. And he goes. And chains fall off. And doors open. And he walks past the enemy, completely blinded to his presence. So Peter took a minute here. It took Peter a minute to come to himself, as it says. And then he realizes what happens. He has been rescued by God. God rescued him. Sent an angel to do it. God rescued him. And we also see in this, in this uh, section God's plan. And it, and it shows us once again that, that God's plan and our plan are not always the same. And in fact, we, don't, we don't, may not understand God's plan all the time. And we may not agree with God's plan all of the time. Because I want you to just consider, just for the first 12 verses of this, James is beheaded, Peter is rescued. Why? We talked about this a little bit before with, with uh, Stephen being the first Christian martyr, uh, stoned to death, and Tabitha raised from the dead. Why? Well, we can theologically try and figure this out. We can, we can decide, we can justify it in our minds, but the truth is, it's God's plan. And his plan and our plan are not always the same. And his is always right, which kind of irks us, frankly. But his, his is always right, and his plan isn't something that we will always understand. I, uh, I work, as you know, I, I chaplain for uh, law enforcement agencies and, and, and EMS, and, and I tell them all the time, you know, everybody who's been in this, who's been in, in, in any kind of emergency services or, or hospital or, or whatever, they, they have seen people die that shouldn't have, and they have seen people live that shouldn't have. Why? Because God's in charge of that. We're not. We don't get those decisions. God makes the life and death decisions. We need to trust his plan, not our own. So what do we learn from this, this story? I think the first thing we learn is that worry and anxiety and, and uncertainty and fear, these things steal our sleep and we don't and it doesn't need to. We can trust that God has worked in our past and will work tomorrow. God's still at work today. So we don't need to let fear and anxiety and worry and, and uncertainty steal our sleep. We're in a terrible time in our, in our world right now with all that's going on in Europe. We can stay up all night worrying about it, or we can trust that God has a plan. I guarantee you, worrying about it all night will not change anything. It will only tear you down. It will only steal your sleep. Let's trust. Let's look back at how God has worked. See that he's brought us to today. And trust him with tomorrow. The next thing we see, we see here is God breaks chains and he opens doors and he opens gates and he blinds enemies. God's still in the rescue business. He still rescues. And he does it. He opens, he, he, he opens chains 
and doors and gates and blinds enemies in His time, not ours. When He's right, when the time is right in His time, it happens. You cannot successfully worry a door open. Trust God that it will open in the right time. We learn that God has a plan, and even though we don't always understand it, may not even agree with it, He has a plan. We can trust the God who has a plan. You know, we have in this, in this right here, we have the beginning of the world and the end of the world. So it's not like God's plan is run out yet. We have the beginning and the end. We know God's in charge. So we need to trust his plan. And we learn that God rescues. I'm here to tell you God is still in the rescue business. He still rescues. I know of at least, at least two people. One, that, one that's here this morning that COVID should have killed and didn't. I met with a pastor this week from the area. He was in a, in a coma on a ventilator for four weeks. And he's at his church this morning. God still rescues. And he rescues us from sin. And he rescues us from addiction. And he rescues us to a life that matters. A life of purpose and meaning. God's still in the rescue business. What we need is a radical trust in God. Trust His plan. Trust His purpose. Trust His care for you. Trust His love. Trust His mercy. Trust that God is God and you are not. Trust. Faith is the way the Bible says trust. I say trust because it's, it's a little more clear in my mind what faith is about when I call it trust. Trust God. He has a plan. He has gotten you to today. Here you sit because he's gotten you to today. Can you trust him with tomorrow? Without spending the night worrying it. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Is there something you need rescued from this morning? Is there some, some rescue that you need? Maybe it's a sin that just keeps hanging on. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's worry, anxiety, fear, uncertainty. Will you trust him this morning? His plan, his purpose, his timing for everything. Will you trust him this morning? Will you be rescued this morning? Take a moment right now and ask God to rescue you. Maybe this morning you need to be rescued from your sin. You need to be, you, you, you've come to the realization that you need to be rescued from your sin. It's a simple prayer that God has given us to trust Jesus, 
who he, he sent to rescue us. And, and simply acknowledging sin in your life. God, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross to rescue me. And so I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross and to come into my life, empower my life, give me a life of purpose and meaning that I can trust your plan, your purpose. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, let somebody know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Come and let me know. Will you this morning be rescued from your worry, your anxiety, your uncertainty, your fear, your addiction, your sin? Whatever it is that has you in chains this morning, will you be rescued? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you that that we see rescue. And Father, we know that you have rescued us in Jesus Christ. Rescue us now from our fear and our worry and our anxiety. Rescue us from everything and anything that is holding us in chains this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Um, would you stand with me?